Hi, and welcome to the OrthoClubs podcast series. I'm Saqib Rahman, and today I am with Dr. Asif Ilyas, and we're going to be talking about how can we end the opioid epidemic. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ilyas, for being with me. Saqib, it's all my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'll just introduce Dr. Ilyas. He's an orthopedic surgeon at the uh, Rothman Orthopedic Institute, specializes in hand surgery and orthopedic trauma, uh, and he is the current president of the uh, Rothman Orthopedic uh, Institute Foundation for, Ortho for Opioid Research and Education. Uh, recently, he was also the president of the Pennsylvania Orthopedic Society, which is a pretty active subspecialty uh, society in our field. And uh, during that time, he uh, led our efforts to um, educate the public and um, try to really focus on uh, trying to help end the opioid epidemic in the state and work with the governor to that. So uh, I really wanted to ask about um, this new foundation that um, you're the founding president of, the uh, Rothman Orthopedic uh, Institute and the Foundation for Opioid Research and Education. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, how did this come about? What are the goals? Indeed. No, well, first of all, again, thanks for having me. And it is a bit of a long name, so we generally just call it the Rothman Opioid Foundation for short. And uh, the foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. And uh, officially, uh, our goals are threefold. Uh, the first is to educate patients and prescribers on safe opioid consumption and prescribing habits, respectively, to uh, perform and promote opioid sparing and opioid alternative pain management strategies. And thirdly, to advocate for evidence-based pain management strategies to our lawmakers and to our health facilities. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. And fundamentally, uh, the reason for this is very simple. Um, as you know, uh, the opioid epidemic has been a, a really a major problem in this country for the past one to two decades. And over the past decade alone, we've seen uh, opioid-related deaths become the primary cause of, or the most common, excuse me, most common cause of death uh, or um, most common cause of accidental deaths uh, in young Americans. So it's become a really big problem. And unfortunately, no one's really immune to it. We're seeing this problem all across the country in all different geographies, all different demographics, all different age groups. Um, and in general, we know that the opioid epidemic is multifactorial in that there's a lot of uh, variables that go into uh, have, have gone into the development of this epidemic, including uh, upfront initially, you know, poor quality research that validated this aggressive use, aggressive marketing of opioids in the beginning, and then uh, and liberal prescription of opioids uh, by physicians, and this kind of confluence of factors has led to high amount of opioid prescribing, high amount of opioid use, and ultimately a high amount of high amount of opioid dependency, abuse, and, and ultimately, in, in many cases, uh, opioid-related deaths. So our goal in establishing this foundation is to really uh, focus on this problem. As a practice, the Roth North Peak Institute, we've, we've spent, I've spent a lot of time trying to create strategies that will mitigate opioid prescribing, ultimately the sequelae of opioid abuse, dependency, et cetera. 
And we, we took those efforts that we've done so far and melded them with our other efforts, be um, education and advocacy into this foundation side. So that's our goal was to really kind of combat the opioid epidemic from all directions. And our efforts is going to be both um, uh, local, be it Pennsylvania, as well as nationally across the U.S. Okay, yeah, sounds ambitious. And um, I guess one of the impressions I have as uh, a fellow orthopedic surgeon and uh, in following this topic is that, um, you know, this really was a very big public health issue um, not too long ago. A lot of clinical research started to come out, uh, which seems to me like, you know, might be getting overshadowed by the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, both in terms of public attention as well as um, maybe clinical research. Certainly space on the pages of our publications, I think, is um, maybe being lost to some extent to other issues like COVID-19. Um, but I think this is clearly not something that's going to be ended in a year or two, right? I mean, this is... I. Yeah. I mean, it seems like this, you got to be in for the long haul to really uh, end the opioid epidemic. I mean, is the foundation kind of have that long view or um, how are you, I guess, considering the challenges of uh, where attention is, is lying right now with, especially with COVID-19? No, that's a great question and a couple thoughts on it. So firstly, uh, we are in it for the long haul. This is a, a complicated process and, and as mentioned a, a multifactorial process so it's going to require multiple ways to approach this problem to effectively combat it and 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 frankly we've actually made some successes as a community and as a country already and we can talk about those but to your broader point about the COVID-19 pandemic and the opioid epidemic I mean listen the COVID-19 pandemic has you know you know, taken over so many things in our lives as it is. So it's no surprise that it, it may be consuming some of the oxygen related around this topic as well. But all of us kind of hope and assume that, you know, the opioid, I mean, sorry, the COVID-19 pandemic is going to be temporary to some, to some extent, and we're going to be able to get past this. So whereas the, the opioid crisis is, like you said, here for the long haul. So we're, we're not letting the pandemic, you know, interfere with our strategies and our plans to go ahead and combat this really significant public health crisis, which is the opioid epidemic. And, and unlike the COVID-19 pandemic, the opioid crisis is something that us as uh, prescribers and in partnership with the public and, and, and uh, our legislators, we can uh, impart significant change and frankly can win this, this fight against it. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. Curious, um, can you maybe uh, give me a couple of examples or maybe one, just one example of, um, I think, a success or direction that you're heading in that you're particularly excited about, maybe in one specific research study, perhaps, or uh, an educational effort that you'd like to point to um, that your group is doing? Yeah, I mean, so let me give you a couple of examples, a couple of thoughts. So firstly, uh, just broadly, um, you know, when we look at our research, we, we, I find it helpful to categorize it in three categories. One is uh, in terms of post-operative opioid prescribing, and then we break that into uh, methods to affect 
change preoperatively, intraoperatively, postoperatively that will ultimately affect postoperative opioid prescribing and uh, voluntary patient opioid consumption. The second place we're looking at this is looking at chronic pain. So we talked about postoperative first, and the second is chronic pain. So postoperative pain is more acute pain, and then chronic pain is different. And strategies to combat um, um, uh, chronic pain and the dependency on opioids. And the third way we're looking at this problem is opioid alternatives. So that's where our research is around those three spaces broadly. Um, and you know, I can frankly talk in a lot of detail in all, in all, in all those categories, but I'm just gonna touch on two things, which I think you'll find interesting, Sakim. So firstly, um, in the very first part is on how we prescribe opioids. And over this, the past five to 10 years, through a lot of research, through a lot of presentations, through a lot of advocacy, we have been able to alter uh, and significantly decrease the number of opioids doctors are prescribing. And we're seeing a steady decrease. If you look at the, the prescribing data, and we have this data, and we'll have this online for anyone who wants to look at it, as the number of, of prescriptions being provided per prescriber and the number of opioids being provided per prescription have steadily decreased because of recognition through research and like we have done and others have done, focusing on the tendency towards overprescribing, focusing on the risk for dependency uh, and diversion where if you're not using those excess opioids, someone else is. Um, and uh, the focus on tailoring opioid prescribing to specific procedures so we're not kind of prescribing generically but kind of customizing. So in our role, socket how much you get for a carpal tunnel release should be different from a hip replacement, should be different from a spinal fusion. And in the past, that hasn't always been the case. And now we're tailoring those. And the last part of that is the adoption of multimodal pain strategies in all the different specialties. And, and each specialty uses multimodal pain strategies in different ways because of the, the nature of the procedures they're doing. But fundamentally, to answer your main question, what we have been able to really demonstrate with some significant success is that we are prescribing less overall than we used to say 10 years ago. And that's a significant uh, achievement and we're building on that in, in a lot of different ways as mentioned. The other example I wanna give you is the use of um, non-opioid alternatives uh, for pain management. And that's a space we're, we're also spending a lot of time on. And in particular, what we're doing a lot with is medical cannabis. And uh, as a practice, we have embraced medical cannabis using uh, following the, uh, the, uh, the, the letter of the law in terms of who, who are qualified to do, how you certify them and how you prescribe it. And that's a big topic in and of itself for some other day. But overall, what I want to stress is that what we're finding with our research and we're doing extensive research uh, on medical cannabis and patient satisfaction, patient outcomes and, and opioid consumption pattern changes that frankly, medical cannabis for chronic pain is actually quite effective. Uh, we have a paper that's about to come out in the next few weeks that's shown that patients that we, the first year that we were certifying patients for medical, uh, for medical cannabis for chronic pain conditions, we are seeing uh, drops of uh, 30 to 50% in opioid usage after the patients have been started on uh, medical cannabis for chronic pain conditions. Moreover, we're seeing patients go at a rate of about 30 to 35% to not using opioids any longer 
uh, for uh, chronic pain conditions when they were converted to medical cannabis. So this is really an exciting space. Uh, we're learning and we're studying aggressively to try to understand this. And as we do more, we'll get a sense of where, it, where are its best indications. And so far, we're finding a lot of interesting things. First, we're finding a lot of success. And we're, and we're also trying to get, we're getting a better sense of where to apply and utilize medical cannabis more. Interesting stuff. Um, maybe I'll ask my last question uh, about collaboration, or I wonder if some listeners are wondering how they can help or collaborate. I mean, there are a lot of clinicians, other researchers out there who have taken an interest in this, and um, you are heading up a foundation for this. What do you say to those out there who um, want to help, uh, maybe collaborate? Uh, what future directions do you see in that uh, effort? Sure. And you're well, perhaps you know, leading. Indeed, Sakib. Actually, there's a number of ways we can collaborate. Uh, firstly, I have to say, because it, 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 I, I, it's imperative for me to say that we, we do need money for these efforts, so we are soliciting funds. Uh, these are any donation to the foundation is entirely tax deductible. And to recognize my uh, partners at the Rothenberg Peak Institute, the, our current funding has been uh, almost uh, exclusively through the generosity of my of my partners and colleagues at the at the practice who are giving to fund our efforts. Moreover, I'll also say that neither me nor any of the board members are taking any salary or any compensation for our work in this space. In terms of other ways to help, there's a number of ways. So firstly, we're partnering with a lot of uh, different organizations. Uh, I'll give you one example. Um, we're partnering with the Jefferson School of Public Health to create a uh, curriculum for graduating medical and dental school students on uh, opioid-sparing, evidence-based pain management strategies. So when these students go out and become prescribers, they will be better equipped and understand how to prescribe opioids in a more effective way and in a safer way. And once we have this curriculum developed, we're then gonna offer it to all medical and dental schools free of charge uh, to be able to educate their uh, students uh, on opiate prescribing. So we're partnering there, and I, and I hope that uh, institutions will take us up on this and, 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 uh, and use this to educate their students. Other ways is research. There's a lot of other universities and organizations looking to do research, and we have a very strong research infrastructure. We're already partnering with a number of institutions in different places who want to collaborate when it comes to multimodal pain strategies, alternative opioid pain strategies, uh, medical cannabis, and we're trying to combine our efforts uh, and collaborate and produce effective, uh, high-level evidence and, and research for, for the greater community and public to benefit from. The other place we're looking to connect with is in the in the in the um, uh, advocacy sphere. So we're partnering with organizations like the Pennsylvania Orthopedic Society that you mentioned earlier, uh, like Allegheny Health Network, and other organizations that we're we're putting together collaborative uh, efforts that are being funded by other bodies, such as the government, to uh, fund studies that will um, promote uh, opioid-safe prescribing practices in hard-hit communities. Um, so we're looking, we're looking to partner with other organizations as well, whenever possible, be it private institutions, be it universities, be it other research organizations, wherever it makes sense. And lastly, we're, we're, we're collaborating with uh, industry folks who have uh, pain management-related um, um, products that we could potentially study 
to the benefit of uh, both science as well as to the sponsor. Um, so there's a number of ways uh, to do this. At minimum, what I would say is to the individual who wants to get involved is pay attention to what we're doing. We're gonna be blasting information out, uh, sign on to the website, get our newsletter so you can see what we're doing. There's a lot of informational, educational things that we're going to be sending out on a regular basis that folks can benefit from. And we're trying to make everything very practical so folks can implement these things in their individual practices because ultimately, individually, uh, uh, the public and uh, prescribers need to implement strategies for themselves that are going to better them, their own circumstances and uh, the circumstances of the folks around them. Great. A lot of ways to help. Um... I'm going to put up the uh, website uh, link on the podcast, uh, but I'll put it out there right now, rothmanopioid.org. So pretty easy to remember. Uh, I'll have the link on the uh, podcast uh, description as well. Um, And I think that about wraps it up. Um, So please get out there and help us overcome this epidemic. Uh, and Asif, thank you very much for uh, joining me. Great stuff. Good luck with the uh, foundation. I'll be supporting you guys as well. Thanks, Zach. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all the work you're doing as well. Yeah, maybe you can also get a link to the podcast on the on the Rothman Opioid website for your podcast interview. Might be yeah, good for, sure. for your listeners. We will right. definitely do that. We'll definitely okay. do that.